You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the Deep. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor, and on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with a multimedia giant. Joining us on the podcast this week is Courtney Hicks. And in this particular conversation, we discuss Courtney's career at large. I had the pleasure of listening to Courtney every morning when she served as a co-host for Mason in the Morning on FM 98 WJLB. We discussed that time. We also discuss some of the work that she is doing in Augusta, Georgia, as well as the many places where she's been able to lend her talent. Courtney is a loyal Detroiter through and through. She is also a proud graduate of Michigan State University. To have this conversation was an honor, so I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Courtney Hicks. All right. This is Detroit Worldwide. And our guest today is someone that I had the pleasure of listening to every morning on the radio. WJLB to be exact. This person is a multi-media specialist and personality. Joining us on the podcast this week is Courtney Hicks. And we are going to dive deep into her amazing background. She has an extensive career in the world of media. She is also a Michigan State University graduate. We'll be talking about all of that amazing work. So, Courtney, it is such an honor to have you on the podcast. And with that, I say, what up, though? What up, though? My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. So, I know how dope you are, but I want to connect you to our listening audience. So, why don't you begin by telling them more about yourself and just the amazing work that you're doing? Oh, my gosh. That's a loaded question. Uh, I'll just start with, with where I am right now. I got here to uh, Augusta, Georgia, which is about two and to about two hours south of Atlanta. Got here uh, July of 2019. So my commitment here is just about up. I'm not sure what the next step will be, but I am glad that I, I kind of uh, switched lanes, if you will. Same same freeway, different lane, going from radio to uh, television. So from a you know, radio personality, and I still do radio. I have a show in Texas to uh, a, a news anchor. I was doing mornings. They switched me to uh, evening, so my, my schedule's a little flipped. But um, 
it's a good look in the sense that um, it, it allows me to really tap into and exercise, you know, all that I feel I've been given in regards to just talent and, and gifts and things like that. So I'm on the anchor anchor desk uh, evenings, uh, the six, the 10 and the 11 news. And yeah, just, just moving my way through, through that experience. Uh, just turned 50 uh, about a month ago, a little less than a month ago. So that's a whole new experience, a whole new realm. So, uh, you know, born and raised in Detroit. And um, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it in regards to just a little, a little bit of, of, the, of the backdrop with, with some of what's going on right now in the moment. Excited to share the rest of it. And Courtney celebrated a birthday, as she mentioned. So that means that she is a fellow Aquarian and we have mm-hmm. a long lineage of excellence in our uh, zodiac sign. Now, I know that you are from the D and I want to actually talk about that. So what was your experience like growing up in the city of Detroit? Yeah, well, I was born in uh, across Eight Mile, not the Eminem Eight Mile, Royal Oak Township Eight Mile. My dad went to Ferndale, city champs, big, big popular basketball guy back in the uh, '60s. And when he found, uh, you know, his wife later on in college, they went to Western Michigan. My mom, Charlotte, both of them have passed on since. Uh, they found their dream home in, in Detroit, Rosedale Park area. So that's that's really the home that that I know. We still have it. Me and my brothers. Beautiful home, beautiful neighborhood. Of course, you know, all Detroit neighborhoods have their challenges, even the suburbs. Rosedale Park, Catholic school, all the way up. It's St. Mary's of Redford, uh, grade school, Benedictine High School, uh, on to uh, Michigan State. And then, uh, you know, started the radio career uh, up that way and uh, headed on to Chicago soon thereafter. So growing up in Detroit for me, being a, a 70s kid in Detroit and an 80s kid in Detroit, because by the time the 90s rolled around, I was time, I wasn't grown, grown. I was just grown and, and college and then coming out of college. But those 70s and 80s, I feel like that generation, we would be Generation X, really got a, a, a taste of pure Detroit. When you talk about the atmosphere, when you talk about the activities, the amenities, when you talk about Mayor Coleman Young, I mean, just the, the, the iconic mayor and, and just the precedent he set and how he was just so down for his city. I don't think, you know, I'm not doubting any of the other uh, mayors. As a matter of fact, we had a, at our home, we had a fundraiser for uh, Mayor Archer. Him and my dad went to Western together. So, I'm, you know, he was one of my favorites as well. But I don't think anybody has been as down for Detroit as Coleman Young uh, was. So I, don't, I think he's just unmatched with how much fire he had and how on fire he was for the residents and how he fought for us. So that was my experience of, of Detroit. It was relatively still safe. I mean, you know, Detroit gets a gets a rap, but you know, you know, you got to use caution. You know, everywhere you go, but for the most part, you can play out in the streets and, and not have any problem, not get snatched up, murder killed. You know, it got a little dicey in the '90s when that drug game became, you know, the crack thing, and you know, you had stick 'em up kids and checking in shoes and starter jackets and stuff. But for the most part, uh, me and my brothers were well. We were aware of it. We knew of it, but we weren't in it. Or, or too much affected by it. I mean, did we have some break-ins at the home? Yes. Did they steal my brand new 1999 and trip it out, out the driveway? Yes, they did. But for the most part, it was it was really a good look. No complaints. So I know that you are a multimedia specialist. You've worked in television. you worked on radio. But I'm curious to know, when did you first become interested in media? And then also, at what point in your life did you decide to do it as a career? I was at Michigan State University, and, and this is this is pre-internet, you know, pre, you know, the technology age. So it was really about um, relationships and connections and checking in with the dean of your college. And he would have like a poster board outside of the office. You could check in on what was happening 
internships and things like that. And I took one. I, I thought I thought this this internship at a radio station looked quite interesting. It was owned by a black family up there in uh, Lansing, Michigan. And I uh, took the internship and started on their AM station and just really loved the fact that, you mean, I could just talk and kind of like get paid to do this, like just speak my mind and be who I am. And so that really fascinated me. I don't think my parents really understood what, what the hell was going on because, you know, I was, I was really focusing in on that. I was studying to be, it was mass communications, arts and sciences, but I was studying to be like a third party arbitrator. Love sports, not a time girl, but just love sports because, you know, my daddy was so heavy into sports. So like a, um, a sports arbitrator mediator, I would sit down to be, it'd be the Pistons on one side, me in the middle and Chauncey Billups on the other side, that, that type of a, that type of thing. And I would, I would be the one to try to extract all the information and get them to come to some sort of agreement. That was my path. And then I got a hold of this radio thing and it just really opened up for me. So I took that internship maybe in 93, maybe up in there, 94. And so maybe about uh, a year in, if, if that, they promoted me to the FM side. I had my own night show. I was Lansing home. Girl, this is this is the 90s. So uh, hip hop was really, it, it had been up on and popping for about a good 10 plus years, but it had really started to become mainstream and on radio and things of that nature. And within a year, I got a call from Chicago and I packed the bag and I was out of there. Yeah. And I've been, I've been, you know, going ever since. It's been about um, almost 30 years now. Now, as we both know, Detroit is very much an underrated media capital. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know, did you have any media heroes or sheroes coming up? And if so, who were they? Oh, absolutely. So believe it or not, one of my folks that I kind of looked to was actually a contemporary. That would be Reggie Reg. So we're about the same mm-hmm. age. And uh, this fool was on the radio. He was a kid like me. He's, Reggie was about 16, 17 uh, on the radio doing big grown man things. And the way we crossed paths was I was a strong song team reporter. And we used to have to go up to the station of the Penobscot and, you know, record our, our report for our school. And that's how uh, Reggie and I met. But at that time, I wasn't really, you know, I was still fascinated by it. But I, I really hadn't thought too much of it. But coming up, you've got Barbara Taylor May. You've got um, The Rose. You've got... Folks like Lynn Briggs. And then, you know, later on, um, you had folks like um, Frankie Darcel and Janet G, who, who, you know, would be when I was kind of at the point where I maybe was considering radio. I thought, well, I could do that. This is even before Lansing. That is who I kind of listened to and 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 got the idea of that's something I can do. And, and then on the TV side, you know, which was always in my heart, you had Doris Visco, you had Armin Harlan. Diana Lewis and, you know, and some others that I just can't recall right now who, you know, I sat and watched, uh, Kathy Adams. So there were plenty, plenty of sheroes and heroes that nurtured a desire or inspired a desire that that I didn't even know was was there just yet. So you received your communications degree from Michigan State. And of course, Michigan State has a strong reputation of producing just media giants think about Jamel Hill, you think about Kelly Carter, just all of the people that they've put out as far as graduates are concerned. So thinking about all those things as a black woman from Detroit, what does it mean to be part of that lineage of just strong Michigan State graduates? It's a good look. You know, there were a few choices in in regards to college and in my house. It wasn't if you're going, it's where you're going. My, my, my parents were pretty adamant. Of course, they, they, they went to Northwood Institute and back then, Northwood in Midland, Michigan, was two years and then you went, you know, somewhere else. 
I think it's a four-year institution now, and then they, they finished at Western. And I think they met in Northwood and then went on over to Western together, maybe. So yeah, it's 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 a good look. You know, our house is divided. So I'm the oldest, only girl. So it goes um, state, Michigan State, Western. But the, but the youngest who went to Western is a flat-out Michigan fan. So, you know, we, we, we dismiss him two kind of ways. But, you know, that camaraderie is always nice. I'm glad I chose to attend. And, and even, even if you didn't attend Michigan State, just the whole you know, Big Ten, Black Big Ten Network thing always works, you know, when you're trying to, you know, get into any any particular field, especially if you if you stay, you know, in the Midwest, you know, the net, the pool is, is huge. They just started a, um, a Big Ten Network, Big Ten Black Network on, on Facebook, a page. And like within hours, there were like thousands on top of thousands of people checking in from all the Big Tens, all, you know, Black folks. And it's just a, it's just a good look to be a part of something like that. Of course, this year, basketball and football, we're in a rebuilding stage. We'll be back. But, you know, to be, to be you know, mentioned in the same, you know, sentence with those folks is definitely a good look, for sure. So your career has taken you across the country in a multitude of roles. Yeah. My question is to you, what have you been able to learn about yourself and your many years in the media? Oh, that's a big question. So yeah, pretty loaded. Go with your gut. And trust that your your talent will make room for you, but you gotta you know you gotta you know stand heavy in who and what you are. You gotta you gotta have a personality first and foremost. You gotta be bringing something and, and have something to offer to these folks. You know when you when you press that button and you can talk to thousands. When I was in Chicago, which is what the third largest market in the country, yeah, that's hundreds of thousands of folks, maybe millions. Mm. When you press that button and open that mic, so what you saying? What are you imparting? within these people, how are you going to encourage them and, 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 and help them to uh, move their day along in between these, these songs? And then for television, you know, when that camera hits or when that light comes on and you're looking into that camera, or shall I say hundreds of thousands of people are looking at you, you know, what is your demeanor? What is your, what is your body language looking like? What that, you know, what is your face fixed like? You know, because that's a different type of a connection. So, you know, it's very important to, you know, figure out who and what you are, what your talents and gifts are, what you've been created and designed and anointed to do and rock with that because only you can bring what you can bring to this world because there's only one of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, copycats and and imitators and, you know, they're only going to last for so long. People, especially in the midst of this pandemic, people are looking for more so than ever authenticity and an organic connection. And I think I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to tap into that. And that's what really what has carried me throughout the years. Now, speaking of an organic connection, how I learned about you, Mason, in the morning, and you mm-hmm. had the pleasure of being on that show from 1997 to 2000. Mm-hmm. So my question is to you, what is your fondest memory during that time of your life and career? Yeah. So I had left Chicago because I sold that particular station and I came back. Mason prank called my house and my mom picked up because I had moved back to Chicago and I moved back in with my mom. We had just lost my dad. Uh, I moved back home and he prank called the house and acted like he was um, Casey Kasem. And my mom was like, you know, Casey Kasem's from Detroit too. My mom was like, Casey Kasem's on my like, girl, that is not Casey Kasem and invited me to be a part of his show. And I don't know how that came about. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, by that time, I had been in radio for a minute, really made made a mark in Chicago and and connected. And, you know, 
The Bible speaks of treating people the way you want to be treated and, and you'll be blessed, you know, in that vein, if you will. And so I think that's hindsight, which is supposed to be 2020. I think that was what that was, you know, just the energy maybe that my, my dad was tapping into and, and at that point being on the other side and you know we, we miss our we miss our people and our family but and our friends who who pass on but but they but they do inherit these magical powers and help us in the heavens bring down some some blessings so I believe it was a little bit of that and 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 some of the hard work and so uh was a part of Mason and Company it was Mason myself Coco and a guy by the name of Miko he was our uh, producer and Donna Miko and we had a good time I think that was the beginning of Mason's run, the beginning of the end of his run. I know that was the last time he was like number one. And just to sit up under him, it was uh, unreal because I had been, I grew up listening to Mason. Mason had been there for a while. I remember Mason, you know, came on the scene, the whole backstory as to how he got the job. You know, he was the number two guy. He was the backup guy. He was the filling in. And he, and he filled in one day because the, the guy was sick and killed it. And I remember one particular time he had me play as if I was Janet Jackson. And because, you know, I just had a, a knack with sounding like other people. So we did this spoof where I was acting like Janet Jackson was on the line and he played some Janet Jackson music under me. So it really made me sound like Janet. Janet's very soft-spoken. And man, people were calling like, Janet, I love you, crying. And people were coming up to the Penobscot building. So I don't know how fond his memories, but a chance because Mason was Mason. Mason was already Mason at that time. The people who came through, you know, to sit with us and call us. It was fascinating to be able to connect with them. You know, you know, the Isaiah Thomases, the, you know, the Pistons, the Lions, the, the politicians, the Kwame, you know. So it was a good time. Definitely something that uh, I will always treasure those 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 few years with Mason and company. I love it. I love it. And I, like I said, I used to listen to you all all the time. It just makes me just think about my childhood. I think yeah. when you were working there, I was what, 13. It's a 97. So yeah, I'm 13, 14 years old. And it was just tradition just to listen to uh, Mason in the morning when you're on your way to school. Yeah, those were my hustling days because I was on seven days a week. I did Mason and Company. And then I would come back and do uh, traffic for Frankie. And then on the weekends, I had my own show just to, you know, establish my own identity outside of Mason. And so it was an honor to, you know, when Mason would be out, you know, he was rarely out sick, but if he had to take a day off out sick on vacation to be able to step into his role, because my role was news, weather and traffic and co-host. And then when Mason was out, I would step into being the host and then somebody else would step in. I think it was, it might've been Sharon. Sharon about maybe about a half a generation, generation under me, me, me and Bridge brought her up. So it might have been Sharon who came in to do news weather travel, which would have been her break, you know. Mm. So it all kind of works works together. So to to be tasked with leading that show when Mason was out was was pretty dope. Super dope, super dope. Now I know that you're currently at Fox 54 in Augusta, Georgia, mm-hmm. doing your thing there. I know you initially started as a morning anchor, but now you are doing mm. evening. So maybe tell us more about that role and just everything you've been able to accomplish there. Yeah. You know, when I realized I wanted to make that switch, it it sort of kind of happened in in Charlotte where I was there for a few, a couple of years. And I was doing television in the morning with uh, uh, another Fox affiliate. It's called Good Day Charlotte, a contributor there. And then I'd go do my afternoon drive show on on the radio. And I kind of got bit by that TV bug. I'd always been bit by the TV bug because I had been in Mobile and D.C. previously and did television there as well. But Charlotte was really the city that allowed me to believe that I could be in the anchor chair. So I went home to Detroit. At that juncture, I lost my mom. So I went home to Detroit, kind of recuperated, if you will, from that. 
and really began to recultivate the direction of my life. And uh, it took a couple of years and I had some great conversations and, and passed up some opportunities in radio and some, and, and some opportunities passed me up because I had I had declared to the, to, to the universe and, and put my prayers on, this is what I want to do. And so God would not let me slip back into, you know, getting comfortable or settling because, I mean, I, he knew and I knew that radio wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, it's, it's always the platform. I'll always be grateful, but I wanted a television to dominate, if you will. So it took a couple of years and I got here and started in the morning and that's what my contract still says. But the uh, evening girl anchor departed and they, they haven't really been able to find uh, a replacement just yet. So they asked me to come from the morning to do the nightly news. It's a different kind of energy. I can't, you know, it's a struggle not being able to be as bubbly because the energy is different. But it's going to look great for the resume and for the experience and to get those reps in. And so with that in mind, you know, I've just been making my way. It's a, it's a tough shift. It's from 2.30 until 11.30 at night, but you kind of really don't get out there till close to midnight. So on a gorgeous day like that, I'm sitting here looking out my door. It's tough to go in because, you know, it's a wrap, you know, but, you know, it'll all pay off. Uh, I'm looking forward to what the what the next move is going to be because I'm just about wrapping up things here. I got uh, a few more months left on this commitment. Okay. Well, we make sure that we'll support you mm-hmm. now. We are heading into the home stretch and we are approaching one of my favorite segments on the podcast, which is about music. Okay. I know you love music because you sing it on your Instagram. You have a very beautiful voice, which I did not know until mm-hmm. I started following you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they okay. had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? So, Courtney, I pose that question to you. The first thing that comes to mind, Detroit is so rich, so rich. But the first thing that would come to mind, and unfortunately he's not from Detroit, but I don't know what what made him cover this record, but was the, uh, you remember if you listen to Mason, we would start the show with Hello Detroit by Sammy Davis Jr. And I think it's, it's just nostalgic in nature. I think it brings back those good old days. I think it when you listen to it, it, it can also, at this point, inspire us to, to to bring that goodness back, you know, to restore it. Because there are good people in Detroit. You know, we've always been the way we've been. You know, a little different, but we've just been the way we've been. And I just don't understand why, you know, when we're, when we're out in other places and we and we relocated as Detroit as we can get along. But when we were in the city, I don't understand why we can't, you know, why we can't keep, keep the peace. It's crazy to me. You know, prior to me coming back in 2016 for those two years when my mom passed, I had been gone for over 20 years. And so I've seen the camaraderie and the love you get, you know, from other Detroiters that you encounter in other cities and places and things like that. Then you get back to the city and it's like, shoot them up, baby. So I, I, I really don't understand that. But yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., Hello Detroit. I think it's just a, a great record. It's rich in, in, in instrumentation. Sammy Davis is Sammy Davis. It's, cla- it's a classy record. And, you know, it really set the tone of the show in the morning with uh, Mason that they would hit at six o'clock and even though we still be half asleep, you know, it, it helped us to realize that, okay, it's time to serve, serve this city and, and get folks off to a good start. You know, especially us, we're hard workers, mostly blue collar. You know, it was that, that lad, that third shift getting off and that first shift coming in. And that's who you got to know who you're speaking to. And I, and I feel like when I listened to that record at the top of the morning, it, it kept things in perspective for me. Mm. 
that song has been used many times and it's good hearing it come from you because for that same reason, people listening to Mason in the morning, for people like me waking up and going to middle school, high school, whatever, that's how I got my day started. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, what's next? And how can we as a community best support you? I know you said you have a present opportunity at the moment, but how can we support you as a community? Yeah, very sweet. Good question. And you're getting an interview, by the way. Very good. You know what? I just, the, the, the love and encouragement, you know, it's a give, give. You know, I, you know, who I am on social media is who I am off social media. So, you know, just the continued love and, and support and, and the different interactions, you know, I do my best to try to read some of the, some of the DMs, not all of them. But, you know, the ones where people are, are really just expressing, you know, something or, or inquiring about something, I try to, you know, acknowledge that. And so, like I said, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's reciprocal in the sense that, you know, you do me and I do you, you know, and, and, and most times that's just all you need is to just know that somebody is acknowledging you, somebody appreciates you, somebody gets you at some level or another, even if folks disagree with you. Social media allows you to know that they're still watching. So, you know, as far as the support, I've, I've gotten so much support and I've got I've got some writers who have been with me from jump, you know, since the beginnings of social media and then their writers prior to, because, you know, uh, a lot of folks may by your age bracket might not know, but you know, this this kind of thing didn't exist. This, what we're even what we're doing now didn't exist. And so there are friendships and connections that were in place and that will always supersede anything, you know, socially. So I, I just hold those people and those connections very close. And, you know, even the connections I make on social media. So I think it would just be, you know, just continue to watch for me and send those good vibes because I definitely would be, would be and will continue to send them back. Appreciate that. Speaking of social media, how can people get in contact with you in the social media space? Yeah. So you can always, you know, just tap in Courtney Hicks. There's no use. So it's C-O-R-T-N-Y. But I think it's Courtney Hicks on air on Instagram. Chicks on air. That's just C and the Hicks on Twitter. Facebook is just Courtney Hicks. And then my brother. Oh, my God. My brother thinks TikTok is the future. So he he just made me open up a TikTok situation. But um, I got to get my mind right. I'm just, you know, I felt like Twitter, Instagram and Facebook was enough. But I'm about this TikTok thing. I don't even remember what my thing. You just type in Courtney Hicks, you'll find no you. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> all right, for sure. We make sure we get all that in the show notes. All right, Courtney, final question as we wrap up. And that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? What did Detroit mean to me? Aside from just being all that I know as far as the foundation and, and where I grew up, Detroit means music. Detroit means Coney Dogs. Detroit means Fago and Burners and Better Made, even though I did trip a little bit because I moved to Chicago. And let me tell you something about Jay's chips. You know, that's that, that's their that that would be their equivalent to our Better Made. I like the Jay's now. Listen, listen, listen. It's funny, my aunt uh, sent a birthday cake for my 50th, and she got a hold of some of my coworkers to help out. And as a thank you gift, she sent them all Detroit products. So they sit up there eating bumpy cake, better made chips, and they fell in love with burners. And they were like, what is this? I was like, honey, it's a Detroit thing. So all of those things that are exclusive 
to us. Town Club Pop, my daddy once owned Town Club Pop. Uh, you know, things that are exclusive to us, me, me and my family have a thread and we were just talking about the good old days and restaurants like Pharaoh's and places like that. So when I think about what Detroit means to me, great memories and fast forward to today, when I think about what Detroit means to me, it it, it, it means enough for me to hope for the best, that we can turn things around and we can get that city together aesthetically and, and financially and, you know, race relationally, uh, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I got pictures of me and my family at, at Babalo and, and the Grand Prix and, you know, uh, yeah. So that Detroit means a lot. It means memories. Well, Courtney, thank you all so much for coming on Detroit Worldwide. Much appreciated. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your willingness to share. And most importantly, I appreciate you. So on behalf of Courtney Hicks, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide. And we will both holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Loving what you're hearing? Then feel free to leave us feedback. Feedback can be posted online when listening to Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find us on the gram at Detroit Worldwide Podcast and on Twitter at Detroit World Pod. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you.